Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Earthquakes. Earthquakes and early morning meetings. Christ's meeting. Oh, I've had another dreadful night's sleep. That's two nights in a row. Goodness me. I'm sorry. I'm Nicodemus, uh, one of the 70 leaders from Israel, one of the great national leaders of Israel. Well, I was, I was there three nights ago when they brought in Jesus. They called us together for what they called another crisis meeting, and they had Jesus. They caught him out in the garden somewhere, dragged him in here, just like a criminal. It was terrifying. You see our national leaders behaving like wild dogs foaming at the mouth. Oh, it was just disgraceful. Accusations punching him in the face. I knew he was a good man. In fact, uh, he was more than a good man. He was at least a prophet. And I, 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 was, hoping, I was hoping he'd be the, the Messiah. But I was intimidated. I mean, I was afraid. Fact is, I, I held my tongue and, and, and I watched him condemn an innocent man. Even Pilate, even Pilate was, was reluctant to condemn him. It was horrifying. I couldn't find my courage in, in, until after he, he died. They, they dragged him out, they nailed him to that cross and, and I, all I did, I did was watch. But, but, but at least I did help him take him down from the cross and I helped to lay him in that tomb. I closed my eyes to sleep. I'm trying to sleep, but all I can see is the wounds. Every time I close my eyes, all I can see is the wounds. Flayed and flogged and his bones out of joint and holes through his hands and his feet and a great gash through his side. Now, now I get dragged out of bed first thing in the morning for a crisis meeting. Everyone down to Caiaphas's house, down to the high priest's house for a crisis meeting. What is it now?
one. The tomb is open. He's alive. What? Take his body away and then tell everybody he's risen from the dead, and then there'll be more trouble when he's dead than he was when he was alive. <laughs> so they asked for a special detachment of Roman soldiers. Yeah, that's what they wanted. Uh, someone to, 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 to seal the tomb and then stand guard. Yeah, that's what they wanted. That's exactly what they got. A special detachment of Roman soldiers. And they've been guarding that tomb since Friday night. Well, guess where those soldiers are right now, hey? Ha! Yeah, they're whimpering like little kids down at the high priest's house. Oh, begging for protection for themselves. Ooh. Their leader's a big man. Oh, big man, yes, he is. Shaking like a leaf, stammering and whimpering. Ha. Yeah, he says near dawn. There, there, there was an earthquake and the ground, the ground began to shake and then a being, he reckons it looked like a bolt of lightning or something. He, he, he walked over and he, he rolled the stone away and sat on top of it. Ha! Scared the Hades out of them, I can tell you. Now they fear they're going to get executed. Yeah, for deserting their posts. So they ran like little children uh, to, to the high priest's house and, and they hit <laughs> Yeah, begging for protection for themselves. Well, Caiaphas, he's the high priest, had to call a big crisis meeting. And here's the question. What do we do now? Well, they're good at solutions. They came up with a good one. Someone says, what do you say we pay the soldiers and we, we, we tell them, you know, the disciples stole their, their body, we give them money, and then we'll bribe his, his commander to, to go, go lightly on them. Well, you know what I think? I think they're right. <laughs> I think they've got a crisis on their hands. I had a terrible night last night and a terrible night the night before. But you know what? I think, uh, I think it's a whole new day. You know what I think? I, I, I think he's risen. <laughs> I think he's risen, just like he said.
top-down team? Just like the scriptures said, the Bible said he will not let his Holy One see corruption. <laughs> uh, I was on my way back from that crisis meeting and, and I passed Mary Magdalene in the street. I, 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 called, out, I called out to her, she went past and she came, she came running back. You know, she was there on Friday. She was watching as Joseph and I laid that body in the tomb along with some of the other women. Well, they saw us wrap that body in the tomb. I know it was close to sundown uh, and the Sabbath was nearly on us, so I reckon, no question, it was, it was a bit of a rush job. But she told me they were going back on the Sunday morning and, and, they'd, and they'd do a little more. They'd, they'd clean up our job and, and help with the embalming, improve on, on what we'd done. Well, I called her as she went past. She came running over to me. She threw her arms around me. <laughs> she said, Nicodemus, he's alive. He, he, he's alive. She said, he spoke to me in the garden. I, I, thought, he, I thought it was the garden. <laughs> Nicodemus, she said, I've got to go and tell them. You know, we've all been heartbroken. <laughs> he's, he's alive. And, and off she ran. I can't put into words. Feel. I've been a coward. I've been a secret admirer. And I'm a disciple from a distance. I've been surrounded by people who will not see and will not believe and will not understand, and I have allowed them to intimidate me and silence me. And even when they raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised him from the dead. That wasn't enough for them. So I've got to tell you, it's enough for me. They crucified him. I laid him in the tomb. But death could not hold him down. He's risen. And all I can say is this. I am going to follow him from this day forward. I will be his disciple. No more secret disciple as far as I'm concerned. The Bible records Nicodemus appearing three times in the Gospel of John. 
the first time Nicodemus appears in the New Testament was after Jesus' first visit to Jerusalem where he cleansed the temple. There was a court in the temple of Jerusalem called the Court of the Gentiles, which was intended to be a place where someone from any nation could bring their need, their grief, their cry to God, and a Jewish person would carry that into the presence of God on their behalf. And they had turned it into a marketplace, a place to line their pockets rather than serve their call. That was the tragedy of what Nicodemus saw. He was part of the Jewish Sanhedrin, the 70 leaders who led Israel. And he was right there in Jerusalem and watched them wrestle with the question of who Jesus is. So the first time we meet Nicodemus, he went to meet Jesus Christ at night and say to him, we know that you, you've come from God. Nobody can do this stuff if God is not with him. Jesus responded by saying to him something that people have puzzled over ever since. He said, Nicodemus, except you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. And afterwards he said, unless you're born again, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus was puzzled by that. He said, how is it that you're supposed to be born? How is it possible to be born twice? And Jesus introduced to him one of the most important insights that we can ever grapple with. This world is real. You can feel it, you can touch it, you can observe it, you can think about it. And yet there was a time for you when that was not so. When Julius Caesar was on the throne, you knew nothing of that. When Hannibal was crossing the Alps, you knew nothing of that. When the Spanish Inquisition was troubling the world, you knew nothing of that. And the reason is, you weren't born here. You could know nothing and relate to nothing in this life. And it wasn't until you were born here that you could encounter this world, understand it, and begin to relate to it. How extraordinary. The kingdom of heaven is more real than this earth because this earth can pass away. It was brought into existence and it can be, it can simply, like the Bible says, uh, it can be rolled up like a scroll and pass away. But heaven is God's eternal dwelling. It is more real than planet Earth. And yet there will be people who pay money to, to sit in and debate, to, to, to wonder whether God is even real, or whether heaven is real, or life continues after this life. Why is that? Because it is so unreal to people, they can't even imagine it. They can't relate to it. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you understand what being born in this world has done for you? It gave you an opportunity to experience it and connect with it and relate with it. And you will never touch heaven without being born again. And that's something that only God's Spirit can do. Logic can't get you there. And it's one of the struggles that we have in life. It's not that heaven is illogical. It just can't get you there. When it comes to the extraordinary events of this weekend, do you know what triggered them? What triggered the events of the crucifixion of Jesus was the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. 
How extraordinary. Nicodemus was one of the 70 leaders waiting for God to visit the earth with his Messiah. The one who could lift sins from people's shoulders and open the door of relationship with God and settle the issue of everlasting life. The Messiah. They're waiting for him. They know he's promised. The Bible says he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus knew that logic wasn't going to get them there. It wasn't that heaven is illogical. It just can't get you there. So when he said to a man lowered through the roof onto the ground and said to him, your sins are forgiven, the religious leaders, they objected and said, only God can forgive sins. He responded by saying, well, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and go home, you crippled man. That you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Take up your bed. The Bible says he got up, he carried his bed out of that place and demonstrated, oh, it's not a lack of logic, neither is it a lack of proof. It's the inability to relate to something because we've never been born into that sphere of existence. Same happened with a blind man. That was another time that Nicodemus appears in the New Testament because Jesus healed a blind man and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam right beside the temple. And when the Jewish leaders heard that he'd done that on a Sabbath day, they were so outraged. They decided he's got to go. They sent people out to arrest him. And back they came, eyes as big as saucers. Well, where is he? Oh, they said, no one ever spoke like this man. Oh, we forgot to bring him. We were so enthralled. It's amazing when you begin to connect with heaven that your vistas begin to open. You begin to hear and see and encounter more than you ever suspected was real. But it was Lazarus who was the straw that broke the camel's back. You see, if he'd raised Lazarus from the dead in Galilee, down there in Jerusalem, three days walk away, it could have been treated like it was just another, another story from Galilee. Stupid country folks. Just another Galilean myth. But he went and raised Lazarus from the dead in Bethany, just over the hill from Jerusalem. You can walk there in 40 minutes. And they were. People walking over to Bethany, touching, feeling Lazarus, seeing the tomb where he lay for four days and coming back to the embarrassment of the leaders. Now you would think there'd be logic enough in the resurrection of the dead to be able to convince anybody. But Jesus knows that logic can't get you there. Logic can't get you to a place where your heart begins to encounter and commit itself to a relationship with God. It's not illogical. Oh, no. No. In fact, this weekend is one of the most extraordinarily logical things you could ever imagine. Because the whole of Israel's history was to underline to every person in the world that without the shedding of blood, there would never be the forgiveness of sins. 
It required the Lamb of God. It required the death of the perfect man, Jesus, to satisfy the requirements of the law. The Bible says if it had been possible to give a law that would lead you to heaven, that law would have been given. There was no such law. If God was to mark our iniquities, none of us would stand. And so Jesus came. And on that dreadful Friday, he paid the ultimate price as my substitute, as your substitute. Oh, it's an unpleasant logic, but the wages of sin is death. The soul that didn't, that, that, that sin shall die. Without the shedding of blood, there shall never be the forgiveness of sins. And God in his mercy provided us with a lamb. He died for us on Friday. But there's another logic attached to the Sunday. The Bible says that God has set a day. He has established a day when he will judge all men and all women. He will raise them from the dead and they will stand in the presence of the King of Kings. The Bible says out of the mouth of the Apostle Paul, for God has established a day whereby he will judge the heavens and the earth by one man and has given proof of that by the resurrection of the dead. When Jesus came out of the tomb, it was God's statement to every one of us, you'll meet me, you will. I want to meet you as your father. Embrace my son. Embrace life. Now, Nicodemus was one of 70. 70 who watched these things unfold for three years. But Jesus knew that logic can't get you there. He told a parable the parable of the rich man in Latin. The rich man, the Bible says, died in Jesus' words and went to hell. And when he was in hell, he cried out to Abraham and said, Abraham, send someone to my brothers to testify, lest they come to this terrible place. And in Jesus' parable, he put these words in Abraham's mouth. They have the testimony of God's word and the testimony of the prophets. Let them hear that. The man in hell cries out, No, 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 Father Abraham. But if someone should come to them from the dead, they will believe. And Jesus put these words in Abraham's mouth, If they will not hear the prophets and the word of God, neither will they believe even if someone was to rise from the dead. Oh, no one believes that. Of course they would. Of course they'll believe. Well, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Raised him from the dead 40 minutes away. But because their hearts were hard. You know, you could always find a reason not to follow, not to trust, and not to believe. If your heart is hard, logic just won't get you there. You know what it takes? It takes a touch of the Spirit of God to awaken your heart to the love of God, the mercies of God, the kindness of God, and the fact that this life is like a vapor. But there is a life that he has prepared and hidden for us in heaven, which can never be taken away. A heaven that people dream about. I, I sometimes cry when I hear people sing the songs that come out of the hearts of every human being somewhere over the rainbow 
Songs like that come out of a cry for heaven. But logic won't get you there. You know what it takes? It takes the melting, recreating, life-giving touch of the Spirit of God. Except a man be born again, except a woman be born again, you'll never see the kingdom. You'll never enter the kingdom. This Sunday is a statement from God that I have done everything. I have prepared for you a banquet beyond your ability to believe. But if God is like Jesus, nothing is too good to believe. If God is like Jesus, nothing is too good to believe. I have prepared for you the forgiveness of sins. I have prepared for you the adoption as sons and daughters of heaven. And I have prepared for you the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. Amen. Question is, will you allow the Spirit of the Lord to put the birth that opens heaven in your heart? It's amazing what people can resist. The resurrection of Lazarus, the resurrection of Jesus. It was enough for Nicodemus. He saw his body laid in the tomb and history tells us that that Nicodemus became a mighty man of God. A man who worked miracles, a man who shared the name of Jesus till the day he died. But what about you? What about you? Except you're born again, you'll never see it. There's enough logic, but it won't get you. There's enough evidence, but it won't get you. What you need is a touch of the Spirit of God. Some years later, when the church was boiling over in Jerusalem, there was one more crucifixion, one more death that uh, sealed their faith, the death of Stephen. Stephen. That same group of Jewish leaders that condemned Jesus to death condemned Stephen to death. And Stephen said to them, you know why you are as you are? Because you always resist the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is not an emotion. Oh, Al, what you want me to do is turn off my brain and just feel. No, no, that's not at all what I would ask you to do. No, God never asks you to turn off your brain. He just asks you to realize it'll never get you there. What you need if you're going to experience heaven is a new birth. And here's the sad thing. The Spirit comes like a dove. Jesus said the wind blows where it will. You hear the sound of it. But you know, you can resist the wind. You can stand against it. You can get tough, still, stiff just resist the breath of God that would lead you into a new experience of life but how would you know if you were born again Al? how would you know well the Bible says this whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ really believes it they will follow him they're born of God because the spirit has come to do what logic can't do 
If logic could get you to heaven, every one of those 70 leaders would have humbled themselves at the feet of Jesus and said, uh, what more could we have asked of our Messiah than you have done? But they resisted the Holy Spirit. And this Easter, God comes to you again and says, let me breathe upon you. Let me breathe upon your heart and take you where logic cannot take you, into a place where faith and trust in a softened heart begins to blossom and open to you a whole new experience It's called eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me here today? Father, I thank you because this morning as I sat, I remembered that moment where in the church one Sunday morning, my heart began to tremble. I felt the earth shake and I began to know there is a God before whom I must stand. How I need a Savior. Holy Spirit, breathe upon your people. When the Holy Spirit breathes on us, one of the things that happens is our hearts get softened. There's a, there's a softness, the resistance. It's like leather rubbed with oil. It just begins to soften. And it's so important to act in those moments because when the wind stops blowing, hearts get hard again. Hearts soften while the presence of the love of God is there. And if we would be, we'd just respond in those moments, that spirit will put a life in you that logic can never create. You've come today and there's a cry in your heart for that life and you're not sure you have it. Just yield. That's all you have to do. Just don't resist. Say, Lord, I want to, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. I want you to lead upon me. And if that's you, I just encourage you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray over you right now. If that's you, just lift your hand. Say, yes, Lord, that's me. Open my life to the light. Just lift your hand right where you are. And I'll pray for you. Bless. Bless.
I pray, take these, my friends, and bless them with life, now and forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.